Good afternoon. Uh, today, as I, uh, as I was reflecting on today's reading and today's feast, um, I, I'm reminded when I was a, so as a kid, I played, uh, I played baseball growing up. I was a little league, little league and, you know, starting right fielder from my high school JV team. No big deal. Um, but, uh, I remember, uh, as I was growing up and I, I was playing baseball, um, one of the things that our family, we, we, we would do constantly, um, my dad was a huge Astros fan. Um, and because my dad was an Astros fan, the whole house became an Astros fan. Um, so at, the, at night, games would come on, and our family would just all be in the living room watching baseball. Um, I think from the time I was a, a freshman in high school to the time I graduated high school, I could honestly say we probably watched about a 1,000 baseball games, um, just sitting in our living room, watching baseball, hanging out, talking. That was just what we did as a family every night. My mom did not watch. She would usually be doing something else, walk in and be like, ha, it's baseball again, and just like bail out the house, right? But it was just, it was what we did, like we just grew up, we just watched baseball constantly. Um, and I remember growing up, like in, in being in this, because I played, like I knew a little bit about the game, and I knew a little bit about the struggle and everything else. Um, but I remember sitting back watching some of these games, and there were a couple of players that were on the Astros that just could not hit to save their life. Now, I like to hit. That was my favorite thing. Um, but that was like a shortstop. There was a few different players that I remember as I was growing up that just were terrible at hitting by major league standards, right? But I, because I could hit a baseball very, very, very poorly, right, by most standards, but like because I had a little bit of success doing this, I used to feel like I would sit there and I'd watch a guy come up to bat, and I'd be like, oh, my God, he's, this is terrible, man. He's, just, he's this and he's that, and he's all this stuff. Me and my dad, like, I would feel emboldened to be able to say, I could do better than that. In all reality, there's zero chance in heck that I would ever be to do near what these guys could do because they devoted their entire life to it. But because I had just enough knowledge and enough zeal and enough immaturity, I would sit there and think, I would, I would feel it would be okay for me, justifiable for me to say the words, I could do better than that. There's no chance I could. And, and, and today, when we listen to this gospel, um, I think if we look at the setting of what's going on with James and John, the sons of, the sons of Zebedee, and this request that comes to Jesus, I think it's very important for us to recognize when they say we can they are sorely underestimating what it is that they're, they're trying to achieve. They're trying to take grasp of. First of all, they say we can. When Jesus looks at them and says, can you drink of the chalice that I'm going to drink from? They say we can. We know they're lying because the request didn't even come from them. They sent their mom in to do their bidding for them. Thinking that Jesus was going to, I guess, going to get guilted into it or something. But if we think about the setting, right? She goes and says, my sons, I want my, can my sons sit at your right hand and your left, right? Can they be at your right and your left in the kingdom of heaven? And then when Jesus responds, he says, he responds to them. So they must be right there, right? Like, like, like if we think about it spatially, the mom is talking, the kids are in the back like, yeah, mom, go do my bidding for me. You know? But if we, can, if we can drink of the chalice, and that's what they are saying, they don't have the courage to even ask. How would they have the courage to drink? Secondly, 
Jesus says that he, they don't understand what it is that they're actually asking for. They don't understand what it is that they're actually, that they actually are trying to embrace, that they're actually requesting. Because whenever he says, can you drink of the chalice, he uses that image for a reason. And it's an image that will show up later in Scripture, in the agony in the garden, when he prays that this chalice may pass from him. He's talking about the chalice of suffering. He's talking about the chalice that he's going to drink from the cross. The chalice of sacrifice. And finally, Jesus looks at them and says, you will drink of that chalice, but it's not mine to give. You will drink of the chalice of, of sacrifice, of martyrdom, but it won't be in my time. And this is Jesus kind of pointing to the fact that to sit at his right and his left it's not his to give. It's because he's not in control when he's arrested and crucified. The, 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 the throne that, that, James, that James and John think they are requesting is up in heaven. But in reality, the throne that they would get were two prisoners, one to his right and one to his left. It was the throne of the cross. James and John would both, or James would drink of this chalice. John would not. And James is the one that today that we, that, that we remember. What Jesus, attack, what, what Jesus really hones in on at the end of today's gospel is he attacks this idea of entitlement or this idea of glory. Basically saying, that's not why you're getting into this game. That's not why you're my disciple. Not to be exalted. Not to be glorified, but to serve. In our church, I'll end with this, there's a popular idea in the popular image of the hierarchy, right? And in most places, there's a hierarchy. It's, you might have people that, that do the work and then people that manage them and then you work your way up until you have the big boss at the top of the triangle. But our church is not a hierarchy of, of ruling or of power. It's meant to be a hierarchy of service, an upside-down triangle, that you support the people that are on top. This is why whenever a pope is elected, the room that he goes into to get vested in his white and before he comes out and stands in front of St. Peter's and waves and all that good stuff and is announced to the world, is the reason why that room is known as the, the, the room of tears. Because all of a sudden now the, show, the, the weight and the burden of the sanctity of the entire world falls to you. With God's grace and holy perseverance, but it falls on your shoulders to be the leader. St. James and the other apostles would come to recognize this. But they had to go through, and they had to purify this desire to want to rule, this desire to want to be glorified. For us as well, as we come to this Mass May this, if, if we have those kind of desires of wanting to, be, to rule or to be glorified or to be seen as a good Catholic or to be seen in some kind of certain way, today as we come to, to receive from both the bread and the chalice, may we be willing to strip away those, those, off, or those desires that might be off, those disordered desires. May today, through the intercession of St. James, we become humble, that we, that we become like Him. 
not seeking glory, but seeking to serve. Amen.